This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studio in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit shoptalkpodcaststudio.com. What up, though? It's your man, Tarek Aha, back for the second episode of Why Lie with Tarek, the most unapologetic podcast in the game. It's October 24th, 2021, and it's a special day because it's my birthday. Yeah, 38 years old, another trip around the sun. Uh, it's also special for another reason. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest in the studio came to do this episode with me, my mom. Say hello, mom. Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so we about to get it in on this episode, man. Like, I'm really excited to do this because as soon as I knew I was doing a podcast, I, I knew that this episode was going to be a thing. So we just going to jump right into it. So uh, what year did you meet my dad? 1975. Okay, so how old were you? 15. Okay, so you meet him in 1975. When did you guys start dating? Let me see. He lived in Michigan, and I lived in Kentucky at the time. Okay. And uh, my mom lived in Kentucky, in Michigan, mm-hmm. and that's when I first um, started coming to visit my mom when I was 15 years old. Okay. And my brother and he, Wayman, my brother Wayman, and your dad were really good friends, and your dad actually lived with my mom. Wow. So I came to visit my mom for Thanksgiving. Uh, in 75. And that's when I met your dad. Okay. So you meet him in 75 and then you go back to Kentucky? Yes. Okay. So when did you come to Michigan? I moved to Michigan and this is so stupid. My dad and I got into an argument my senior year. I was going into my senior year of high school and my dad was emphatic. This is what he was. You, You took it or you left it. There was no in-between with him, you know, mm. and he made me so angry, and I guess I'm kind of like him. I got on a bus. I bought me a bus ticket. I got on a bus, and I moved to Michigan with my mom. <laughs> For an argument with your dad? For an argument with my dad. Wow. And that's the honest truth. Wow. That sounds uh, familiar. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you come to Michigan, and you meet me and my, uh, you and my dad start dating. We start dating. Okay. New Year High School. What year did y'all get married? We got, uh, let's see, I graduated in 1978. We got married September the 1st of 1979. 1979. And you had my sister, February 14th, 1980. So guess what? I was pregnant. Okay, Rob, pregnant at your wedding. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, I was. Did the man. <laughs> okay, so you're a, a newly newlywed couple, young kids, you know, just out here trying to figure it out. Um, Boom, you have a daughter. Yes. Okay. I, listen, first of all, let me let me back this up a little bit. I knew once I had my children what I wanted because I knew exactly what I didn't want. Right. I did not want them to have the lifestyle that I had. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to know that home was home. You would always have one. There would be no ifs, ands, and buts if mom or dad were going to be there. Okay. 
So that was my, my, let's get married, let's have a family. This is right. So if you didn't know anything else, you knew what you you knew you envisioned what you wanted your family to be. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. So you have my sister, 1980, 1983, October 24th today. Y'all have me, right? Yes. So uh, how was the relationship between you and my dad when I'm born? It wasn't good. Um, uh, well, first of all, I was uh, 18 when I got married, and your dad's four years older than I am. And, you know, at that time, I was young, he was young. You start wanting different things. Mm-hmm. But along the way of wanting different things, I have two children. Right. So I can't change my mind. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. By changing my mind, I'm changing three minds. Right. And that didn't work for him. Okay. He, you know, um, and I, there's no fault of anybody's. We grew apart. We wanted different things. And y- your dad was a drinker. No, right. Right. And that just didn't, I, I couldn't. Okay. So you guys divorced in 1985. Yes. 1985, you're 25 years old. You have a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son at the time. Yes. So from my point of view, you've always been a super adult. Like you've always been grown, grown, you know, coming from my perspective because you've always been my mom. So you've always been an adult. I met you as an adult, mm-hmm. you know. So from my point of view, you've always been super grown. But essentially, you were a fucking kid at 25. Oh God, Ted, you had no idea. I mean, you have no idea how afraid I was. Because any decision that I made, it didn't just affect me. It affect, affected you all. Right. And I'm not saying that I did everything right. All I knew was that I had to step up and be whatever you all needed me to be. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be afraid, although I was. <laughs> right, right. I, I had no, there was no room to be afraid. You are responsible for these kids' lives. Right. You brought them here. That's so, all I knew. So uh, I didn't figure out until I got a little older that times were hard for us when I was little. Oh, my God. I, I had no fight. Like, you did a great job. You know what I'm saying? Because I did not know that we were struggling until we got money. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm, you know, a teenager, 13, 14, and we got, you know, shit is shit is good, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we was fucked up back then. Like, oh, oh, I ain't got no lot of change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we was fucked up. <laughs> you know, it, there was, uh, you know, there, uh, birthdays, Christmas, you know, I, I did everything I could. But doing it was a day-to-day struggle to put food on the table, you right. know. I mean, I worked two jobs. I waited tables. I did whatever it took to make ends meet. One of the biggest thing, and I have nothing against the system, but I didn't want you all to grow up and be in the system. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, and I'm an able-bodied human being. Ain't, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pay a babysitter, I go to work. That's what I knew. Okay. And that's what I wanted you all to know. If I sat at home and waited, that wasn't a life that I wanted for my children. Right, right. And I, I don't ever recall any of that. I, I didn't want that for yeah. you all. You I know? remember catching the buses, you know, in, in the winter to the babysitter. Absolutely. I, I remember that. Uh, and I paid my babysitter before I paid anyone. It was it, it was a little, it was a white lady. It sure was. Uh, I, what was her I, name? I, I wish I could remember her Man, name. Man, I remember. And, and 
She was the best thing that ever happened to me. She, and she, uh, she was married to a black guy. Absolutely, he I, was a security guard. I, yeah, I remember. I rem- he was a he was a big dude, yes. and and it was this little white lady. I remember us Absolutely. catching the bus. I remember this wool coat that you used to have. It was black. All black, and it had like a black and white sleeves on it. Yes, it did. I remember that oh coat. My God. Yes, it had a black vest to go on top of it. Yes, I, I would be at the bus stop because, like, oh, that's all I could see was that sleeve. Yes. You know, if I'm holding your hand at the bus stop, I'm looking up at Absolutely. you. So I remember that. Absolutely, Ted. It wasn't it, the and the struggle was for real. We walked. Mm-hmm. We rode buses. We we took jitneys, and I'm gonna tell you the part that really irritates me to no end about that. Your father left a car with his mother rather than let me have the car with the children when he left the state of Michigan. Wow. It was a Valari wagon. (laughs) I mean, I I just remember that. (laughs) So 25-year-old kid, two kids to raise, getting it done, however you know how to get it done. What was your goal for raising your children? So it's us. We was living on Willette, Mm -hmm. you know, in Southwest. So me, you, and Coco. Mm -hmm. What is your picture for your children? Like, like, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish as a mother at twenty five? Well, I wanted, um, I wanted uh, stability was my biggest thing because I grew up in unstable relationships with, you know, different people, and I knew for a fact this is not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want that for you. I wanted the best that I could possibly give, and my imagination was not that grand. But my, uh, but I did know that I had to instill in in you all something that was never instilled in me. Mm-hmm. You have to get up. You have to pull yourself up, and whatever it is you want, nobody's gonna give it to you. Right. You got to get out there and get it, right. and that's why I stressed education, 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 because I had wished that I had. Uh, which I could have, but went back to school. But only thing I knew was I've got to take care of these kids. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all. I ain't know nothing else. I remember a gentleman told me one time, you don't know how to do be anything but a mother. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Like, like that's a bad thing. You know? <laughs> I mean, you got to come with something better than that. <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's, let's fast forward a little bit, right? So you're young. You're getting it done. Shit is tight. Then things start to loosen up. Exactly. You know, shit just, you know, rainy days don't last. You That's know? right. The sun is going to shine again. Right. And, you know, the sun began to shine on us as a family. And now you got teenagers, you know. Ooh. <laughs> I've got teenagers. You got teenagers. You got my my big sister and, and you got me. So what was it like for you when you found out I was in the streets? When you found out I was, you know, selling dope and shit? Who? that for their kids no right. one you know and I was so afraid but let me say this when I found out I was like and there's no reason for him to be right you know he I mean first of all you, this kid comes home the day of or day before homecoming uh, uh, my mom wants this $300 sweater to wear to homecoming I say okay <laughs> I go Van Dykes I buy a $300 Coogee sweater Shout out to Van Dykes in Northland. Y'all don't know nothing about that. You know, I, that's what I did. So he had no reason to be in the situation that he chose to be in. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that wasn't a thing. We ate. We lived good. I used to get dropped off at my job because they have my car. 
<laughs> and they were like, oh, she don't need it. Uh, you know, we'll drop her off. Right. You know, so they had more than a lot of their friends. Facts. These are facts. They, they, you know, I made that a point. Um, in my own mind, it was probably I felt so badly about how we previously were that I overdid everything that I did. Right. You know, so my question was, well, why? But as I've gotten older and he's gotten older, you know, he never really hung around with people his age. Everybody seemed to be older. Mm. So I said, um, I did a lot of praying. I still do. <laughs> you know, uh, because that's not the life you choose for your children. Right. You know, who chooses that? Right. You know, and, you know, he could have showered me with a whole bunch of junk. Oh, no, no, that's okay. I got this. But what you need to do is figure out what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I could do. And I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed because that's a, a dangerous situation to be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I couldn't figure out where it came from because I prided myself on not being involved in relationship with people who that's what they chose to do. I'm not knocking anybody. You do what you do. But that's not what I wanted for my children. So so what you're saying is in the 80s, you know, in the height of the crack era, when we was growing up and struggling, drug dealers was trying to talk to you? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, and they see you with two kids, you know. Like, yeah, come on, boo, I got you. I got a couple of dollars for you. No, you, you don't have me because I've got two children at home. Yeah, and I, like, I don't remember men coming and going I, no. I, I don't I, I like I really can't recall that no I mean? it didn't happen yeah I, I, it didn't I, happen I, I, because I, I have a, a daughter and a son mm-hmm. and um if something happens to me what happens to them right you know so I can't just think about this oh my god he could do this for me or he could do that for me I that's not no right no, no. right I, I've, I've got to be able to sleep with me and I've got to be able to rest for my children absolutely so you know, I, I made the decision, like like you said, it wasn't a forced circumstance, like, oh, I got to put food on the table or, you know, some other shit. It was just like niggas in my hood sell dope. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. it was no doctors on my block. Right. You know what I'm saying? So my big homies and my OGs, like, all them niggas had the bag. And uh, I'm going to get into the actual story of it on a later show, but th- that's what I saw. I, so I chose it because it was an option. You know, when the nigga down the street, you know, 18 with a Benz, shit, I want a Benz at 18. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not seeing another avenue to get there. What you was know, the first car we bought you? Uh, the, So the first car I had was Coco Sundance. So I got the Sundance. Now, but, did you hear he, he had a car, though? Right, I had a car. Yeah, then, so then We y'all made bought, it a point to buy each one of them a car. Then you bought me the, uh, the Delta 88. I love that car. Okay. So, yes, I had a car. But, you know, just... Kid shit, young shit, you know what I'm saying? Impulsive decisions. Oh, these niggas doing it and it's easy. That's what the fuck I'm about to do. This is what all of my peers are doing. This is what my best friend, Pooh, crazy ass down the street, he doing. This is what J-Rock doing. These are niggas I'm with every day. So, shit, cut me in or cut it out. Like, that That was the energy, you know what I'm saying? And, so, all, and all I can say is, yeah, it looked easy. That shit ain't easy. It's, it, it wasn't. That shit is right, exa- Exactly. It, it ain't easy. Exactly. It, it, it looked easy. And I'm, you know, I'm so goddamn stupid. 
at 15 thinking I'm outsmarting somebody. I'm trying to park the car down the street or around the corner, and I'm walking to the car. She's like, nigga, I know you these drug dealers giving you that car. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, but, you know, as a teenager, you think you know everything. You know what I'm saying? You think you know every, which is why you got on the bus and moved to Michigan. You, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, because as a teenager, you think you got it all figured out. You know what I mean? Everybody so, wrong but you. Everybody wrong but you. Mm-hmm. And you used to tell me that. All That's the what time. I, uh, everybody wrong but you. Everybody wrong but you, man. I know. I know. I know. I know. I still say it today too. You definitely do. You know. Definitely do. So. I'm in the game. I'm in the streets. You praying for your your son. You know what I mean? Naturally. Uh, I catch a case, not a drug case. I catch a violent case, right? <laughs> we gonna get into that. We gonna get into that. But I don't really want to discuss the case because that's gonna be another show. So, boom! I catch a case. I get in trouble in two thousand and four. Catch a case. Go to trial. I get found guilty. I'm in the county, you know, waiting, awaiting sentencing. Me and you communicating the whole time. You coming up there. I'm calling home every fucking two seconds, you know. So we come back for my sentencing date, right? They've already said guilty. We come back. We in the courtroom. I'm about to get sentenced. What is that like from your point of view? Well, first of all, I want to say this. This Negro here <laughs> was the calmest. I, I, I'm, I'm about to, can I say shit my pants? Yes. I'm about to give the floor everything I got because I am so, this is my son. This is not the neighbor's son. This is not so-and-so's son. This is the son that I gave life to. And these 12 people here are getting ready to decide his fate. They don't know him like I know him. They only listening to what these people are saying about him. I said, I'm an asthmatic, so when you're having an asthma attack, all the air in the world, and you can't get a breath. You can't catch a breath. That's what it feels like. All the air in the courtroom, it was free for everybody. I couldn't catch a breath. Damn. That's what it felt like. Wow. Uh... I was calm because panicking wasn't going to get me out of that shit. You know, <laughs> if, if I could have cried and they'd have let me go, I would have cried. You know what I'm saying? But I don't give a damn how many tears I shed right now. That ain't about to stop what's about to happen. So I, in my head, I'm like, I just want this, shit, this number to be as low as possible. You know what I'm saying? My, my, my lawyer, Michael Sharp, he was like, because right before my trial started, they offered me a plea. So the first plea was for 12 to 15, 12 to 20. Then they came back 10 to 15. The day my trial started, uh, my judge was like, let's go downstairs and let's uh, see if we can come up with a deal. They offered me three to five that day, the, the morning my trial started. And my lawyer looked at me. He was like, you want to go to jail for three years? I said, no. He was like, uh, let's go upstairs then. And we started the trial. So, boom, we go through the trial. It's a week and a half. We come back for sentencing. And I'm trying to get the three to five. I'm like, can we get the three to five? Did they offered us before? Let me get them three years. You know what I'm saying? Because fuck it, I can. I'm, I'm 21 at the time. Right. Uh, Tavon's mother is pregnant, so he's about to be born. I'm like, all right, shit. My my baby will be three when I come home. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Let's let, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And because I'm 
already in the game. I'm in the, I'm waking up choosing the game every day. I understand that this is this is a part of it. Okay. I can't just be in it when it's good, when we popping bottles and at the mall and doing all that shit and buying strippers. This is the other side of the game. You got to be all right with this. So I was all right with it. And I'm just praying to get to three to five. Now, I didn't find this out until much later. So I end up getting sentenced. So, yeah, and, and, and we'll just do it like this. So they read off the sentencing. We sentenced you 60 months to 15 years. What do you like? I said, well, how, far, how, long, uh, how long is 60 months? <laughs> That's what I said. Because you're not thinking. Your brain you, shuts you, off. I mean, I, how long is 60 months? 60 months? What and the so fuck is I'm that? On, and, and, and here go your sister. It's five years, Ma. That's still too goddamn long. For your baby. Your 21-year-old baby. But I'm going to tell you, when you caught that case, a very dear friend, and you all's godfather, Gerald Evelyn, said, whatever you do, you make certain that your son goes to trial, goes to court with the lawyer. So we got a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You having a conversation with your lawyer the day before your sentencing, I pull up in the driveway, and he says, Coco, I want to talk to you. This charge could carry a life sentence. Mm -hmm. I say to him, not my son. <laughs> I said, not my son. I don't even want to talk about it. That's, that's not going to happen. So we praying for anything less than that. Right. You know, Absolutely. so I'm not claiming shit. Right. But that ain't even on the table as far as I'm concerned. Right. But see, so, I mean, so I had a violent crime. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you're charged with a violent crime, it's, it's, they're called floaters, right? So you have a, a guidelines. And the maximum guideline is life in prison. But, but for naive, I, when I tell you naive, I, he had to tell me, whatever you do, my. Make the police do their job. Don't tell them nothing. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm ready to tell everything I know. <laughs> I'm ready to tell on folks that I don't even know for real. And he's like, no, ma, no, ma, 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 just shut up. Yeah. You, you, they pay these motherfuckers to do a job. We're not going to do it for them. That's what your attorney is for. They, say, they tell you in the Miranda rights, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Shut the fuck up. And that's exactly what he told me. He said, Ma, shut up. Just be quiet. Let them niggas do their job. But so he has to, my lawyer had to tell you that as a formality. But you're not going to offer me three to five if you're going to give me life. Okay. See, I didn't know. Three you know to what five I'm saying? At the time. So they told me, if y'all trying to give me a cop to three to five, y'all just don't want to go to trial. Okay. That's the thing. And if more people went to trial, the entire judicial system would crumble. Because motherfuckers is copping out, just taking these deals, taking these deals. If everybody was like, no, fuck that. Everybody in America, I want to go to trial. The fucking whole judicial system would crumble. They, it, it's not okay. enough people working. It's not enough judges. It ain't enough juries in the world. If everybody say, I'm going to trial. But you go in there, you get scared. You get to talking yourself into trouble. And you take the first deal they offer you. Or the second deal. or No, nah, nigga, beat me upstairs, bitch ass niggas. Well, he's talking to a person who had never sat in, in the back seat of a cop car. Okay. Right, right. Never been in I handcuffs. Mean, never, none of that. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. They look like they hurt. <laughs> so, so, boom, I'm just praying for a low number. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't. So when I get to five years, I didn't know that. So my trial was this in December uh, from I get sentenced in January. Over that time period, 
my godfather, Gerald Evelyn, went to my judge's Christmas party. Yes. So he, um, the, the judge on my case, I ain't even going to say his name, he went to his Christmas party, uninvited, I might add, and was like, listen, uh, my godson was just found guilty in your court. He has a sentencing date coming up. And like, like, nigga, you know, this is this is my kid. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't fuck over my kid. You know what I mean? And so I believe that that helped. <laughs> it's not what you know; it's who you know. I agree. You know, and uh, so that helped and get the uh, you know the, the five years. So boom, he tell me five years. I'm praying for three, and uh, you know I'm in the back in the bullpen waiting to go off a of sentencing. I'm praying for three. They tell me five. I'm like, okay, you know. Fuck it, I can do it. I'm 21. I'm like, fuck it, all right, let's get it. You know what I mean? So now I'm preparing my myself, my mind, my body to go do this bit. Home don't exist to me at this moment. It can't. I have to be looking forward. I got to survive this bit right. and come home to my kid. Right. You know what I mean? And you said that having my son helped you through my five years. So... uh. I get sentenced in January. My son was born March 29th, 2005. Uh, and you essentially raised him while I was in prison. Yes. How did that happen? Well, you know, um, you weren't there, and his mom was young, and his mom already had a son, and I wanted to be a part of his day-to-day. Mm-hmm. I didn't want, uh, well, you visit me on the weekends and blah, blah, blah. I wanted to be a part of his day to day. I wanted to instill in him the values that I tried to steal in, instill in my children. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted you to have a sense of stability, a sense of family, a sense of everything positive. You know, even with this current situation, it's still positive. You're here. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say that. Your son allowed me to breathe because I couldn't. I, I mean, I drove around. There's a, a gas station around the corner from where we lived at the time. It took me two years to go in there. It took me two years just to go in this gas station because that's where you were all the time. Right. And I didn't want to see nobody that knew you and knew of what happened. You understand what I'm saying? Right. I wanted to be secluded. But anyway, um, your son came, and I, I was there to cut the cord, and I told her, you're not getting rid of me. <laughs> this is I'm here to stay. This is our baby. This is, hey, this is our baby. <laughs> we going to make decisions. And, uh, you know, um, I'm not even going to get into their relationship because it has nothing to do with me because she was your son's mother. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into I wanted him to be with me and raised that, right. that that's that's what I wanted so you know she bought him by we babysit and then we put him in daycare we just we just made a thing of it and we I drop him off in the morning with her on my way to work pick him up in the evenings and this went on for years and years and then uh her aunt watched him I uh take him over there in the morning on on, on my way to work and pick him up when I got that's that's what we did you know and I told her that despite the relationship that you and she had, your son was going to know who you were. Right. You definitely made sure of that. If I did nothing else, he was going to know that you were his dad. Right. 
even if it meant every facility in Michigan. <laughs> so uh, let me give y'all a little backstory. What she mean by that is during my trial, I had a lot of bitches in the courtroom. I had a lot of girlfriends at the time because I was a pretty successful drug dealer. So I had a couple of dollars to buy myself at a young age. And when I say my whole hood, Joy Rowe represented at my trial. So much so that they put them niggas out of the courtroom because yes. the witnesses would not come out to take the stand to testify because the whole hood was in there. So Joy Rowe represented for show for your boy. They held it down. And I had a lot of women in there. Yes. Lot, lots yes. and lots of women. So my BM is pregnant. My girlfriend that lives in my apartment complex is there. My other little stripper chick is there. And, yeah, so we had a strained relationship uh, with me and my son's mother. And mind you, this is my first kid. You know, Tavon, is, this is my first child. So he was born after I went to prison. But I, I wanted to, to touch on this. So, boom, I get sentenced. Uh, I go back to the county. I stay in the county for three days, and then I get transferred to Jackson. Up until this time, I've been calling home two, three times a day. Yes. So when I get transferred to Jackson, I can't pick up the phone and just call. You have to put in a phone list. So I have to, to submit these numbers to the prison so they can be approved. This is a formality because motherfuckers get to prison and get to calling their victims you know, calling, you know, harassing motherfuckers' family. So they like, no, you can't call a motherfucking number that ain't been approved because we got to contact these people to make sure it's okay that your criminal ass is calling them. Makes sense. So I submit my phone list, but it takes about two weeks for the numbers to get approved. So I get to Jackson, so boom, sentencing. I slide out to Jackson uh, State Penitentiary, and I can't call. I'm knowing that my mother is a is a naive, non-street woman, you know, a wholesome woman. I know she is going to fuck crazy. Yes. Not no. hearing from me because you got, you know, this son. I'm not a I'm not a big guy at the time. You know, I was probably 140 pounds. Yes. Five, six. And I'm on my way to Jackson State Penitentiary. Oh, my dear God. So I submit the phone list and I'm checking it every other day. Like, I just put it in. I know it take two weeks, but I'm checking this motherfucker every other day. So finally, about day 10, I was on my way to breakfast. I'll never forget it. I'm on my way to breakfast. And uh, a guy who was a couple sales down from me, he's in the line. He's like, hey, youngin, you call your people yet? I'm like, no, man, I'm still waiting on the motherfucking phone list. He's like, man, check that shit today, man. I know your people worried. So I'm like, fuck it. Fuck breakfast. I get out the breakfast line, and I run straight to the phones. It was about 7.15. I know you have to be at work at 8 o'clock. I call and you answer. Oh, my dear God. <laughs> I could breathe. I actually could take a breath. I mean, I done tossed and turned. I done cried. I done walked the floor. I done drove by his old apartment. I done, I've done everything because I've not heard from my son. And I can't think of the prison movie that I had just seen. Shawshank. Shawshank. <laughs> oh, my dear God. I'm thinking all kind of crazy <laughs> shit. I'm praying to God they ain't trying to get him. Uh, I, I mean, for real. I mean, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. I never and, got got, folks. And I, I, well, I, I mean, uh, the mind is terrible. Right. And everybody like, no, he good, he good. How the hell you know he right. good? How the fuck you, you know? You this can't shit. make me feel better. Oh, he good. This ain't that, your baby. Yeah, exactly. This is my child. <laughs> shit. You know, and I, I was like, oh, my God. But the not knowing or the not hearing his voice, because I can tell the, by the tone of his voice 
what's going on. Mm-hmm. You understand? Because that's all I got now is the tone of his voice. Like uh, when he was in the county, uh, he called every day, you know. And when he was anywhere he was, he called. I could tell, this this little nigga's going to be all right. You the one tripping. <laughs> right. But I'm a mother. I right. got the right to trip. Absolutely. But he said, I have a collect call. I couldn't, they didn't even have to keep talking. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I wanted to call off. I mean, I know he can't even stay on the phone all day, but just the, to hear his voice, it, it felt like I lost 50 pounds. I had been carrying a 50 pound bag of potatoes on me, on my chest, since the day he went to, went to jail. And that day, that it wasn't 50, it was 45. Mm. And then, it was 40. You understand what yeah. I'm saying? It just, I, I, I didn't know what to do. What do you do? Right. A, a, a part of you is no longer there. I, he's not tangible. I can't touch him. I can't feel him. I can't see him. I can't. Only thing I can do is hear his voice. And I hadn't heard that. Mm. And this is the life I lived. And I, and I used to pray like, uh, Lord, please, please, whatever it takes, I just need for him to be okay. I need for him to be okay. Um, he has a son. He's got a whole life ahead of him. If I don't make it, it's okay. But I need for him to be okay. I need for him to come out of this unscathed, which is impossible, but I'm a mother. Right. <laughs> Shit, I'm unrealistic right. when it comes to um, your children and what you want for them or what you don't want for them. But he was going to be a father. And damn it, he wanted, I wanted him to be more of a father than he ever had the opportunity to have. Right. That's where my head was. So I remember, it, it, so, you know, it's a 15-minute phone call, and I'm standing outside, the, you know, the child hall, and I'm smiling like a motherfucker, and you on the other end of the phone crying, like, oh, my God, are you okay? <laughs> Is they fucking with you? Like, he all smiling and calm, and I'm on an emotional wreck. And then, you know, I said, Coco, you got to stop this shit. You got to be his support system. You crying, and he okay. Stop. Right. Like, and, and, and shit, we, we we got five years of this. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, so, uh, so, you know, we go through the 15 minutes, and they like, you got one minute left. Right? And you like, call me Come back. back. Call me back. <laughs> Fuck it, I won't go to work today. You can call me all day. You know, I don't care. You know, just to hear his voice. Now, listen to me. People think, you know, uh, everybody that go to prison is this, that. Hey, this man had a support system. I don't give a damn if he, whatever his crime was, he is still my son. Mm -hmm. And to close a door, that would never even thought about it. As, as far as I'm concerned, we opened up new doors. Absolutely. You know, we opened up a whole new door. And I had to learn that, hey, lady, he a grown-ass man. I, I'm my baby, my baby. No, he's a grown-ass man. And you're going to treat him like a grown-ass man in prison. It took me a long time. But I can't treat you like a kid, right? In prison, right? I, that that's not acceptable, right? So so I had to relearn or unlearn a lot of shit about you while you were in prison. Mm-hmm. You still my baby, 
but this baby ain't no baby no more. <laughs> this, he got some grown shit going on here today. Facts. You know, so I had to, you know, get my act together too. Right. So, boom, I get, uh, I get to my first prison, uh, Newberry. I stay in Jackson for probably about, about a month. You know, you go through all your processing, your test taking, and you know, physical, mental screening, and all of that shit. So it's it's a long process. So you you, but uh, Jackson is a level five facility. So it don't matter if you got two years or two hundred years. Everybody goes there. It's the bubble. They call it. It's quarantine. They call it the bubble. And it looks like Shawshank. Okay, that's how the fuck it looks. So you walking in the yard and you you walking past like. The, so you, it's different sections to Jackson. So you got the the penitentiary, which is where the niggas at who live there. Then you got the processing facility. Okay. The processing facility is level five security. Okay. That's 22 and two. You're in your cell for 22 hours. You're out for two hours. Okay. You get 20 minutes for uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 45-minute yard, 15-minute phone or showers. That's your two hours out of your cell. Okay. Unless you're on a call out, which is, oh, I got to go to the nurse. I got to go to a doctor. I got to go to school for processing and test taking and all of that shit, right? So I'm in there for about a month, and I'm just writing motherfucking letters. Like, I wrote I wrote so many goddamn letters. Like, my pen game was crazy in Jackson. Yes. My shit was I'm, I'm sending the envelopes back home look like fucking phone books. I got letters <laughs> for the whole hood in this bitch. I just wrote niggas' names on it. Right. Get this to him. Because I still had street business that needed to be taken care of. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So I get, I get fucking, and they don't read outgoing mail. They read, or they, or they open anything coming into the facility, but I can send anything out of this motherfucker. Okay. So I'm just, I'm like, yo. Dog over here got this. Go take care of this. Hey, yo, duh, this shit was at my apartment. Go, you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to conduct business while I can because niggas gonna forget about you. You know what I'm saying? And life gonna go on. Exactly. So I, I gotta get this bread out of the streets, all type of shit. So I get to Newberry in uh February. I get to Newberry in February. Tavon is born in March, right? My son, my very first child. It takes about two months for me to get. On his birth certificate for me to get my name on his birth certificate. So it was a whole little court process I had to go through. They sent me some paperwork. I signed the paperwork, get it notarized, send it back. So I get my name on his birth certificate, and now he can come visit me. You brought my baby six and a half hours from outside of Detroit up to Newberry, Michigan. Yes. I had never regularly. Been the, I, ne- I had never been across the Mackinac Bridge in my life. Me either, until I went to prison. <laughs> So, uh, again, I have to say, and I, I'm going to say this a hundred times, I don't give a damn where he's at. He's going to know his son. I mean, and I meant that. And I told him that. So I'm a woman of my word. And I'm like, I don't, they can't send you too damn far that I won't go. So I tell his mother, Tavon's mother, we going to the facility to see Ted. It's not a question. Right. You know, we going. We, I, I drive six and a half hours to go see this man so his son can see him. They have a case of the exactlies, and by that, I mean they look just alike. Yeah, he's 2.0. <laughs> he, he's me 2.0 for sure. So um, I don't know if a lot of you have heard the clanging of uh, prison doors and gates or whatever. 
I'm sitting there like, oh, my dear God. I'm I, The tears is running down my face because I'm excited because I'm Greg Cedium. And there was a, a, a guard at the facility. She was one of the nicest women I ever met. She was like, oh, he's so handsome. Did you know they take the diapers off the kids and give you their, their own diapers? Right. I, I did. That was new to me. I'm like, what you taking his diaper off? Yeah, for? I mean, they got to search everybody to make sure you're not bringing anything in the facility. because yeah. niggas didn't try it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They put their own diapers on them. I was like, oh, okay. But like, listen, for y'all who don't know, drugs is fucking rampant in the in the penitentiary. So like, y'all got all these quote unquote safety measures, but the guards bring everything in that bitch. <laughs> the niggas who work there that make eighteen dollars an hour, you have to understand, it's millionaires in prison. This, right. this fucking 20-year-old girl who worked here because her father worked here, she make $18. <laughs> this bitch about to bring the bag in on her lunch break. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's how the shit gets in the facility. So you checking the visitors. Bitch, check the guards. Not me. I'm scared to death. I'm scared of my own damn <laughs> shadow. Mrs. Mrs. Never committed a crime. <laughs> I wasn't bringing nothing but uh, his son. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, shit. That's right. some different shit to me. So, but, you know, like, I had to, you know, because just like everybody else, I heard the stories. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I seen, you know what I'm saying? I, I knew niggas that been to the joint. So I'm not knowing. When I say I had to mentally and physically prepare, I'm not knowing what I'm about to be faced with. But I know what I just came from. Right. I was in the mix out here. Mm-hmm. Like, no capping, no none of that, you know, trying to hype myself up or make it. But, like, niggas didn't play with me in the streets. So... Niggas ain't about to play with me in here. You know what okay. I'm saying? I don't give a fuck how big you are. None of that shit. One of my homies, my nigga Red from the East Side, though, I swear to God, this was one of my mans. Like, love this nigga when, when I got to, the, to, to, to my first joint, right, to Newberry. He say, they checked all the pistols at the door. Okay. I'm like, what? He like, ain't no guns in this bitch. If you can go from the shoulders, you're going to be straight. Like, oh, shit, I'll fight anybody. Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we ain't lose a drug, bitch. We about to get it popping. So, but I've always been the type of nigga. I stay to myself. I ain't never ran with a crew. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't never be around a whole lot of niggas. So I stayed to myself. And my bit was actually smooth. Like, I didn't I didn't have no issues. I ain't had no trouble. I ain't fuck with nobody. Ain't nobody fuck with me. Right. You know, wasn't no funny shit. You know what I'm saying? What I wasn't in that bitch tough man in the yard. No, nigga, I'm in this bitch reading my books and mm-hmm. you know, writing my letters and smoking my cigarettes at the time and working out and a lot of jacking off. That's all the fuck I did in that <laughs> bitch. Like, you know, it was straight. But so having my son, you know, like that 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 affects me to this day. And it affects me and my son's relationship to this day. I met him in a prison visiting room. Yes, you did. This is the first time I'm a new father. I'm a father for the first time. Yes. And the first time I lay eyes on my son, the first time I hold my son, the first time I kiss my son, they just took his fucking diaper off and checked him to come in his facility. Sure did. I'm sitting in a prison visiting room. My son is about to be 17 in March. Our relationship is still affected from that to this day. He remembers... Because he grew up with me in prison. He yes. was five when I came home. Yes. So he remembers, you know, taking pictures. in the. These are his childhood memories of his dad, taking pictures in the visiting room, going, walking me to the vending machine, picking shit out for us to eat in the, in the visiting room. You know what I'm saying? Seeing Absolutely. me for an hour or two at a time. This is both of our reality. I can't undo it, you know, and so we're just dealing with it. Right. You know what I mean? But the the woman that you are, and the mother that you've been and the grandmother that, you, that you've been to him, it, it means so much 
to me, to him, to us, because if it wasn't for you, that wouldn't be our reality. I would, I would, I would have had to get to know him when I came home. If well, you wouldn't have been there. Well, uh, how could I not? Right. I mean, how could I not? I mean, you didn't fall off the face of the earth. You went to damn prison. Mm-hmm. So how could I not be there for the both of you? Mm-hmm. You don't turn your damn back when the shit get rough. Man. You, you, you can't. Man. If you do, you ain't shit to me. And, that, I, and I'm just being honest. Voila. If you can turn your back on a MF that needs you, you ain't shit. Voila. And you ain't never been there for him. And I'm there till the day I take my last breath for each one of my grandchildren and my children. I'm there. Facts. You know, and I, I, I don't know anything different. I don't want to know anything different. I grew up not knowing. Now, I, had a, I have a mother, I had a mother and a father. But I didn't, I didn't live with them. Mm-hmm. That, did you think that's what I wanted for my children? Right. Absolutely not. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Um, my father left, divorced a woman, and left us with, left me and my sister with him. With the woman that he divorced? Yes. Wow. Uh, so my sister, she uh, went off to a, 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 a foster care. The lady got mad at my father. She packed a blue suitcase with my shit in it, dropped me off at the projects in Louisville, and said, "Find your fucking daddy." How old are you? Nine. What? And you thought that's what I wanted for my kids? Hell no. So there was a little, oh, it was an old lady who lived in the projects. Who She saw me sitting on my suitcase in the projects. She said, honey, what's wrong? I say, my stepmother dropped me off and told me to find my father. She said, well, who is your father? I said, William Johnson. She said, do you know where he lived? Absolutely not. She said, well, you come on in here because you're not going to sit out here. Right. you fucking nine. We walked the projects until I found my father's car. I said, that's his car. She said, I know where he lives and took me to him. You know what my dad did? What? <laughs> my blue suitcase up, put my black ass in the car and drove me back to the woman's house. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought that's what I wanted for my kids? Hell no. Wow. I, no. I, I no. So when the whatever they do, I ain't saying I've ever condoned the shit that they did or do. But I'm there for them. Facts. I'm there. That's all I know. They were going to know me. They were gonna have an address. They were gonna have me no matter what I was going through. Facts. I was young. I was twenty. You was a fucking kid. I, man, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I knew what I didn't want. You was a kid. So when when I when I found out that I was gonna do a podcast, because this came really out the blue. This was some left field shit. Okay. So but when I found out I was gonna do a podcast, one of my homies reached out to me and he was like, You need to do it because of who you are. And he, you know, he's, he's, you know, giving me my flowers. He's, you know, singing my praises a little bit, you know, because of our relationship. He like, bro, you need to do it because you, you're, you're a powerful guy. You know a lot and you speak very well. And this way your, your words will live on in infamy. Right. So like I say, just like right now, today, we can read Shakespeare and books from, you know, a hundred years ago, 500 years ago, a thousand years ago. Once we upload this episode, 
a thousand years from now, people are going to hear me and my mother having this conversation and they're going to know that I did this for you to give you your flowers, to sing your praises for the woman that you've been to me my entire life. And I appreciate it. You know, uh, I just want to let you know how much I fucking love you. And we, we, we haven't had a perfect relationship because there are no perfect people, Mm -hmm. but there's nobody in this world that's had my back like you. I remember you telling me one day, Nigga, I did every day of that five years with you. Every single day. It, it was fucking mind-blown emoji. Like, wow. She said, nigga, I did every day of that time. Listen, uh, I'm going to tell you all a quick story. Uh, see, now they they have it all. The system is different. Uh, I forget what you put the money on now to J-pay put, it, and shit. Yeah, put it on the card. When this nigga went to prison, when uh, AT&T or uh, the... Bell Central or whatever would send you your bill. My damn bill wouldn't fit in the chute of the mailbox. They'd have to open the door to put it in. Because my son called me every day. Every day. All day. (laughs) He got so damn good, I'm going to call you. You click over and call somebody else, and you lay the phone down. (laughs) I remember paying seven, $800 phone bills. Then they went to this other process where I would put it on a card and he could call. Three days in, Amma, you got to put some money on the card. <laughs> Two days in, Amma, would you put some money on the card? Amma, would you buy me this book? Amma, Amma. I didn't give a damn. If I could have moved heaven and earth to send to Newberry and this one and that one, as long as God gave me the ability to get them go to work and I could make a dollar, there was nothing I wouldn't do. Facts. And I mean nothing I wouldn't do for him. Facts. So, yeah, like the phone calls when I first got there <laughs> were ridiculous. Like the fucking the, the, the charges. And so it was probably like I was in prison for like a year and a half. And then they switched it to another system where the phone calls went from like $15 a call down to like $2 yes. a call. So, like, those first fucking bills were ridiculous because she's telling me, like, nigga, call me. Call me. So, every day when I know she at work, I'm calling, you know what I'm saying, more so for her than me, mm-hmm. you know, just to let her know. I'm all right. Like, mm-hmm. nigga's not fucking with me, you know what I'm saying? We, I'm good in here. Right. You know, if anything, shit, I, this book just came out. You can send, order this book and send it up here to me. Right. You know, so anything, you know, so going in, preparing myself to go in, anything I could imagine you doing. You did that shit times 10. Whatever the fuck I thought my bit was going to be like and our relationship was going to be like, you superseded that several times over. And that's why I want to do this for you, you know. I'm going to tell you what my father told me. My father never really said too much. Again, he didn't have too much to say. But when I started having children, he said, Coco, they come into the world. Your children coming." Come into the world knowing how to do wrong. It is your responsibility as a parent to teach them to do right. And that's what I prided myself on. And for a long time, I said, what did I do? Well, I didn't do shit. He got grown and started making adult decisions. Mm -hmm. If he'd have followed my lead, then the situation would have been different. But that didn't negate the fact that this is still my son. Mm -hmm. And... I need to do more. I need to be more. Because right now, he can't be 
his full self without my support. Especially when he's a young father. Right. You know, you you you, you have to look beyond yourself sometimes and think about the future, mm-hmm. which was his son. You know, so I couldn't, it ain't no way in the hell I was going to turn my back on him. Right. And people were, no, I can't go this time. No fucking problem. Come on, Tavon, let's <laughs> get it. <laughs> yeah, you, y'all definitely took some motherfucking trips. Like I say, man, my son knew me every step of the way. So 2010, July. Oh, wow. <laughs> we going, uh, you know, so before that, we going to parole meetings. Uh, Go ahead. Okay, so we going to parole meetings, Ooh. and we about to, you know, it's that time. So uh, I get my parole. I call you. I tell you my release date. I was. They send me down to Mound for reentry, right? Uh-huh. So you yes. know, all, all my processing. So I'm. I done came from all the way up north to Mound, uh, right on the east side, and boom, we there. I get out that morning. I get out. <laughs> yes. What is what is that like? Oh my god! I um, so I, I, I'm preparing. I'm like now, I, I'm thinking. You know, see, life done went on and everything done changed. You know, but I'm still thinking. Oh my son, he this this. I buy him a phone. Uh, his cousin Chucky buy him gym shoes. Man, we get, Chuck showed up. We give him outfits. We we sitting at the uh, wait. We waiting for him to come home. I hand him his phone. <laughs> I had him phone. He looked at me. He said, "What the hell can I do with this?" <laughs> at that time, it was a BlackBerry. Right. So when I left, I had to flip Sprint, <laughs> the first camera phone from Sprint. Right. So you handed me this BlackBerry. I'm like, nigga, I've been in the penitentiary with pay phones. Like, what is this? So, but I, it was. Oh my God! I could. There was no fifty pound bag on me. Mm. I. I could. I could. I could touch him anytime I got ready. I could pick up the phone and see him and go see him and and I could touch him, I could feed him, I could give him some advice. I could Woo, I said, "Thank you, God." <laughs> so Yeah, that was a great fucking feeling, man. I get to the parole office and, you know, we had a fucking party in the parking lot. Sure you did. know what I'm saying? We had a party. I took them weak ass state clothes off and, you know, jump fly and they handed me money and phones and my niggas had liquor. I'm like, bitch, I'm at the parole <laughs> office. Like, y'all, niggas, but y'all, y'all trying to get me locked back up. Right, right. Two right. Hours. You know what I'm saying? So we turned up and we had, we, we like, like I say, and I, I just really want to commend you for everything that you've done for me. Not even just the prison, just through life. The support after, you know what I'm saying? Once I came home because... Shit, I struggled for them first for that first year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so shit loosened up for me. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I'm a fucking convicted felon Absolutely. on parole. I'm going on 40 fucking job interviews a month. Exactly. They hired me for a month, found out about my record, fired me. So right. that support was always there. You've never wavered. And like I say, our relationship ain't always been perfect, but to me it's always been great. But wait a minute, waver? What? <laughs> I, I don't believe in throwing in the towel. Absolutely. Throwing in the towel does On what? family? Does what? Right. Nothing. Because you still have to be family no matter what the situation is. Right. And that's all I ever wanted was a family. I said, God gave me two children. Oh, they're going to know who the hell I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick question. In what ways are me and you alike Stubborn, I know that. Absolutely stubborn as hell. Stubborn as hell. I'm a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> stubborn as hell. And in what ways are we different? Well, I think we're alike when it comes to family because I, I watch you with your children. 
You know, I watch that that interaction you have with your kids and the honesty you have with your kids. I've never tried to bullshit you all. I told y'all this is how this shit is. Right. You know, and I, I admire that in you. Thank you. Now, what how we differ, I'm an emotional wreck. <laughs> I will cry at the drop of a hat. I will, oh my God, you look like, why are you tripping? <laughs> I'm about to fall over in agony because my feelings are hurt or whatever. You like, fuck that nigga. <laughs> what you tripping for? And that's where we differ. Right. But that's you and your sister, though. Right, right. And I often wonder, where did they get that from? They didn't get it from me. Yeah, like my sister is the female me, or or I'm the male her. Like we're exactly. we're the fucking same. Like like personality wise, looks like all of that. We we are the same person. And neither one of them look like me. Right, right. They say I used to though. Yeah, you did. You, they say you did. I used to. You did. So with everything that you wanted for your kids and how you spoiled us, what people would say that y'all you spoiled them kids. Y'all know how to be anything else but a mom. So. This is, and, and we're going to wrap on this because this is my origin story. So this is going to be the first segment, the first segment in story time with Tariq. But it's not going to be me telling it. I want you to tell the story that you, a conversation that you, uh, or a beef that you and your mother had about your children. Oh, my God. My <laughs> mother said, the Lord takes away from you what you put before them, for him, what you put before him. I was confused as fuck. Like, what? I, he gave them to me. So she talking about your children? Yes. So she's saying, God take away wait. what you put before him, meaning you put your kids before. Okay. He gave them to me. Right. What kind? That don't even make good sense. <laughs> you know, you come at your babies. Somebody's supposed to take care of you. Shit. Right. Through life, they're supposed to take care of your needs and your wants and some of your wants and shit. So she's saying, like, you you, you do too much. I do kids. too much. Right. You do you, way you, too much. You spoil them niggas. Exactly. And I did. Right. But, Thanks. But, but that was what I was supposed to do. Right. I, I was supposed to. You're here for a reason. And my reason was when God gave you all to me, because he gave you all to me, I was supposed to treat you differently than the way I was treated. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be something for you all that I never had. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to see. I'm normally, you know, I'm gonna stick to myself. I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna sit back in this corner. But see, you all brought me out because mm -hmm. I had to be something different that I had always than I had ever been. Mm -hmm. I had to be your mother. I had to be responsible. Get out of my own damn way. And take you all and move forward in life. Damn all the shit that I've been through. I could have, oh, I don't want No. I wanted to be on the forefront with you all. And that bullshit, he take away from you what you put before him. He gave you all to me. That, that just went over my head. If that's what you believe, you fucked up too. Okay, so, but what happened after she said that? Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so September 28th, my brother was killed in a car accident. Okay. And huh, I'll never forget, I went to the cemetery and took her to the cemetery, and she looked across the car at me, and she said, I thought it would have been one of you all. I just looked at her. I said, did you forget that I'm your kid too? <laughs> this is my mother. Right. You know, and as it turned out, my mother and I had to have a friendship instead of a mother-daughter. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I loved her, but she was my friend because she wasn't my mother because mm-hmm. she didn't have that maternal instinct with me that she had with the other ones. Right. I love her. Because you didn't grow up with her. I didn't grow up with her. Right. But she couldn't feel about you all the way I felt about you all. Right. Nobody could. Nobody, nobody could. And she couldn't understand that. I did something that maybe she couldn't do. So you probably, you, I mean, not probably, you reminded her of what she didn't do for you. Probably. You know. So, you know, it is what it is, though. So she told you God takes away what you put before him, and then your little brother dies. In a car accident. And you say the same thing to her. Yes, I did. God takes away what you put before him. And that didn't go over well because it, it was hurtful. Right, I mean, that, right. that shit hurtful. I can imagine. But I mean, you know. It was hurtful when she said it to me, too. Exactly. And I, I, I call this my origin story. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the reason. So for everybody out there who wonder why I am the way I am, I'm going to get my lick back, bitch. <laughs> like, fuck out of here. He's always been there. You, you not going to just do whatever you want to do or say whatever you want to say because I'm not fucking with you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So once you cross that line, I'm about to up the score, goddammit. And uh, that's this is why because this is my mother, the, the one who did that to her mother. So I mean, my mother and I had some. You know, I love her to death. We had some, we had some fucking knockdown dragouts. I because, remember. I mean, we had knockdown dragouts because we were friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're like the shit that my mother. Some of the things that my mother said to me, or I said to my mother, you all wouldn't say to me. Facts. You understand? So Facts. that it's a different relationship. Right. Right. You know. So I just wanted to make sure that I did this and to show you your appreciation and give you your love and give you your flowers right now. Thank you. Sir. You know, uh, you've been a wonderful woman and mother to me, a wonderful grandmother to my kids. And I'll sing your praises from now on. Thank you, son. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you so I want to dedicate this song to you. I want to dedicate this song to you that uh, we're about to play right now. Thank you for coming. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Suspended from school, I'm scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Said tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was poor than other little kids. And even though we had different daddies The same drama when things went wrong We blamed mama I reminisce on the stress I caused It was hell Hugging on my mama from a jail cell And who thinking elementary Hey, I see the penitentiary One day Running from the police That's right Mama catch me, put a whoop into my back